So I wanted to talk a couple of minutes about how God forms us and makes us, and also uh, some of the promises that God gives us. I wanted to speak a couple of minutes about the, the topic, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, the scripture says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So Jesus shows up to these men who were in the middle of conducting their business. They were businessmen, and they were responsible for making sure that their community, their family, and industry had uh, every, the day, everyday food to eat, to sell, to barter, whatever they needed to do. Um, they had very important responsibilities. And then Jesus came to them and said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And what blows my mind is the fact that they immediately left their nets and they followed him. So they left their businesses. They left everything to follow Jesus. That, that seems to me pretty radical. How in the world are you going to just suddenly just leave everything that you're accustomed to to follow someone else? So there was definitely a, an issue of revelation that came upon them because later on, uh, Peter uh, does say something and Jesus responds by saying, see, the Spirit of God taught you that. Oh my, God, oh, my Heavenly Father taught you that. Flesh and blood did not teach you that. So there was something that was already in Peter's DNA that was going to be receptive when Jesus called. So follow me. That's a commitment. That, that's, that's a commitment. That's, you can't get around that. I can just hang with you. If I'm going to follow you, that means I have to become your disciple. That means I have to become your student. So when somebody gets a new job, for example, he or she now has to come under the supervision, the rules, the regulations of that system. In every job, there's a culture. In every job, there's expectations. You have to get there at a certain time. You have to produce a certain amount of widgets every week. Or you have to create a certain service every single week. You have to ask permission to go on vacation. Who do you think you are? You can't tell me what. Yes, you can. If you're paying me, you can tell me what to do. How, you know, when I'm going to take a day off to leave or come a little earlier or, or leave a little later, whatever it may be. When we truly decide to follow a new system, we have to adhere to these systems' rules, right? In the same way, when we decide to follow Christ, what we're actually saying is we're coming under a new kingdom, a new king, a new system, a new culture, a new family. Like Brother David says, I, I love my Calvary family. He means that. He is part of a family. We, the Bible says we laugh with those who laugh and cry with those who cry. Especially of the household of God. I need to consider you because you're my family. In many cases, we're more family than your own brother and sister. I'm not saying for you not to hang with your family. I'm just saying sometimes that's just the way it is. We spend, we spend more time together. We labor together. We cry together. Yesterday, we cried and laughed together as a family. It's a new culture. It's a new authority structure. And we receive the benefits of this kingdom family because we're kingdom citizens. Early or not, early on, the part of the prophetic word says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, so we are a nation. We're a nation under God by his spirit. In 1 Peter 2, 9, I, I refer to that very verse. You are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood. And that word chosen is important because God calls you, he calls you on purpose. You know, he created you and he formed you and he placed things inside your DNA that when he calls, you respond to it because you're chosen. And you don't know why you're being drawn. I remember as a teenager, I would walk past the church. I wouldn't even know why, but I would stop and look at the church. And the church would fascinate me. Yet nobody had ever taught me about the church. Nobody had ever told me anything. I was supposed to be a Catholic. <laughs> but in reality, we were not practicing Catholics. But something drew me. And when I was invited, I went. I didn't know I was chosen. I didn't even find out till years later. My dad told me that his grandmother, who's my great-grandmother, she served the Lord. And she told him before she passed, she says, God's calling me home. It's my time to go home. So I'm going to be leaving soon. I'm going to be leaving earth soon. But the Lord tells me to tell you, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be just like me. He's going to be a preacher. I wasn't even born yet. So when God says he knows you, he knows you. Before he formed you, he already had determined how you're going to be, what's going to be your kind of character, what are going to be your gifts, your abilities, and how, when he calls you, how you would be drawn to him. Hallelujah. It says we're his own special people. We're a holy nation that we may proclaim the praises of him who called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And light is, yes, there is, there is a, a refraction of color, but it's also revelation. When the scripture speaks of light, it also speaks of revelation, a knowledge that suddenly, oh, I didn't know that before. See, that's light. And when you come to God, God gives you light. He opens up the eyes of your understanding. I think it was Job. I heard you from my ears, but now I see you. Uh, I, I think a queen came to Solomon and says, oh, I just heard about this, but now that I see, wow. See, your eyes get opened. Praise God. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it addresses the issue that when you come to him, something new happens in your life. It says, therefore, if anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say to your neighbor, you're a new creation. You need to understand that. Your friends know you from your past, but they don't know who you are now. They're not qualified to speak into your future because they don't know who you are now. I'm going to say that again. Your friends are not qualified to dictate to you your future. You are new, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So it's a clean slate. New opportunities, a new day, a new future. Things that I didn't know before, God's going to start showing me. All I know is my past. But now God's going to show me a bigger and better and brighter future. Amen. Isaiah 43, 19. Isaiah 43, 19. That's a wonderful scripture. It says, Behold, I will do a new thing. The word new in the Hebrew and in the Greek means new. Amen. Didn't exist before. Something brand new. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You might, go in, you might be going through a desert experience, but God's not going to allow rivers to form in your desert. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rivers, uh, it's symbolic of water. Water is always symbolic of word and revelation and things you didn't know and provision. Because when the river comes in, the fish come in. 
When the rivers come in, the gold and the silver comes in because in all those clusters uh, that the water is moving, it's starting to expose things that were previously hidden. God is saying, I'm about ready to expose things that have been previously hidden in your life. I'm about to show you new things in this new season of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall you not know it? In him, we're made new. We're new creations. In him, we're forgiven. In him, we have a clean slate. Say to your neighbor, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And we need to understand that. Today, the Spirit of God says, I'm speaking to somebody, and somebody's going to get a breakthrough. Hallelujah. Well, God is saying that there's a breakthrough. I have forgiven you. Don't ever look back at your past. The past no longer has any power over you. Hallelujah. You're new, brand new. If God says you're new, you're new. Remember that old commercial uh, commercial said, when E.F. Hutton talks, everybody listens? That's nonsense. When Jesus talks, everybody listens, including the spirit realm. Hallelujah. The power of a clean slate. Everything is new. My God. You know, Peter, um, he was a wonderful disciple, but you know, he, had, he, had a, he was very impulsive. And, and he'd get into trouble a lot of times. And, uh, one time, uh, he told Jesus, when, when Jesus said, oh, you're going to deny me. Oh, you're going to leave me. You know, he said, I'd never leave you. Peter said, I will never deny you. And then Peter turned around and says, listen, by the time the day's over, you will have already denied me three times. When you hear that rooster crow, remember what I'm telling you. Amen. And that's exactly what happened. He denied him three times. He got even to the point almost of cursing. I don't know that man. <laughs> And then suddenly he heard the rooster crow after the third time of denying him. And he went through such a depression. He was so saddened that the Messiah, his teacher, his rabbi that he had followed for all those three years, that he had left his fishing business to, to go follow after him, that he had denied him. And then to top it off in front of everyone, he said, I'll never deny you. And yet he denied him three times nonetheless. But yet, you know, uh, Jesus dies, he's raised, he's raised again. Then he goes back to all of them. Because the Bible says all left them. So let's not pick on Peter. That's right. Because that's the Bible right. says all that's left them. Right. All <laughs> abandoned him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so Jesus comes back and he ministers to them. He feeds them. He spends time with them, 40 days. And, and uh, so he spoke into Jesus' failure. I mean, sorry, Peter's failure. He spoke into that, that momentary transition time. God allowed him to see the depth of his failure. Amen. And then he said, but I'm here. I want you to know I'm not holding that against you. So how could Peter ever repay Jesus after he failed him three times like that? But there seems to be no mention of that. It just seems to show that they said, okay, I'm getting back with the program. They went to the upper room, and they were all filled with the Spirit of God. And what's the first thing that Peter does? Gets up and preaches by the power of the Holy Ghost, and 3,000 souls come to Jesus. So what's the best thing we can do when, when God forgives us, when the Lord forgives us? Just be who God called us to be. Stop, uh, what's the word? Stop struggling in your past. See, that displeases God. When we continue to look back, yeah, but I did this, but I did this, but I did this. Forget that. Get with the program. Faith is now. Move with God now. He already forgave you. You don't have to struggle anymore. Have you forgiven somebody and they come up to you the second and third time? Yeah. I'm so sorry. And what do you say? It's all good. Yeah. We're good. We're all right. We're right. In other words, you moved on. Amen. God's moved on. Amen. Why haven't you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Galatia, look at Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was busy imprisoning Christians. Mm. He was responsible, I think it was Philip, uh, passing away. He, they stoned him to death. Yes. Stephen, was it? Stephen, thank you. Yeah, that's what I said, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> so, think about it. Um, this man was busy imprisoning the church. And in the midst of the road, with letters in hand to go and prison more uh, Christians, Jesus shows up, <clears throat> knocks him out of his horse. He's on the ground. <clears throat> Suddenly, he's blinded. My God. And the Lord speaks to him. So why are you doing this? It's hard to kick press against the goats. And he says, who are you, Lord? What do you mean, who are you? Aren't you a rabbi? Don't you know God? <clears throat> Aren't you a Pharisee? Weren't you trained on the Gamaliel? Yet he didn't know God. The one that was representing God didn't know God. Jesus said, it's I who you're persecuting. Was it Jesus that he was persecuting? No, it was a man. But when somebody persecutes you, God takes it personal. Amen. God takes it personal. He sends angels your way. I mean, he'll do whatever it takes because you're his son, you're his daughter. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so what does, thank you, I appreciate that. serving other gods. And suddenly they come to the living God and they don't know how to react. They don't know how to respond. It's yeah. such a guilt factor. Yeah. Yeah. And for Saul, it was a great guilt factor. And so I consider that and I say, man, how do you get away from that one? The very one that you say you were serving, it turns out that you were fighting him all along. Mm -hmm. Jesus. And Jesus himself shows up. He says, hey, you're doing this to me. Right. One time Jesus told uh, the Pharisees, he said, you think you know the word of God, but the word of God talks of me. And so right. he, he, tells, he tells Saul, go to this man, he'll pray for you. He'll talk to you. And so Ananias had to pray over him. And of course, the scales of his eyes that came off and he was able to see again. But are you aware that for some time when God was raising him up and Barnabas brought him to the other apostles, the other apostles said, we don't want anything to do with that man. They knew him. He wasn't, he wasn't just an average uh, Pharisee or an average uh, soldier or whatever. No, he was Saul of Tarsus, the one that's after us. The one that comes after us with ferocity. He's responsible for the death of our brother. And yet, 
Barnabas, praise God for the Barnabases yes. of this world. Yes. So some of you that knit others together, some of you come together and says, you know, you've been fighting, but we can do this. We can, we can come together. Thank God for the Barnabas. Hallelujah. Thank God we're not all Peters. Peter got upset at that soldier. He cut his ear off. You didn't mess with Peter. Peter had a, oh, he was quick. Very impulsive. Thank God for the Barnabases. And Barnabas said, no, you can confide in him. God's done a work in his life. He's brand new, new season, new slate. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So he was able to get together. So what does Saul do? He becomes the great apostle Paul. Writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Amen. Nothing could stop him. He would write wherever he was at. Yes. He would write as he was traveling. He would write even in prison. Amen. A portion of the New Testament scriptures was actually written in prison. So what do you do when God forgives you? You do exactly what God calls you to do. Do it with boldness. Do it with grace. Do it, do it with love. Do it with passion. Move on and move, move with God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You consider what it says in Scripture about us as we come under the banner of Jesus Christ. In Him, Romans 5.2, the Bible says, through whom, or rather in Him, we have access by faith into this grace which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5.2. So the Bible says in Christ we have access to him because we have a grace. God gives us a grace. Grace is something precious because it's, it's, it's unfair. Grace is God loves you almost to an unfair standard. You know, when I go home to my mom's house, for example, uh, my mom, you know, I knock on the door, and of course she gets very angry when people knock on her door. <laughs> but all I have to say, it's me, it's your son. Mm -hmm. Suddenly the grace in which I stand allows her to open up the door, give me a kiss, yeah. offer me coffee. Mm -hmm. She tries to, you know, get me fed. She treats me differently than she treats the superintendent. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Yeah, when the superintendent comes, knock, knock. Who? And says, it's the superintendent. I don't know you. <laughs> she, she gets upset at everybody. But I have a certain grace. See, so when I go in prayer, I don't have to feel like a stranger because I have grace to be in daddy's presence. Yes. To be in Abba's presence. Yes. You have a grace. Say to your neighbor, you have a grace. So you don't have to struggle in prayer because he is your heavenly father. He knows you when you come. Uh, Dad, it's it's so and so. You know, just put your name in there. Amen. Yes, my daughter. Yes, my son. What do you need? What are you reporting? Because we also call to report. Part of prayer sometimes is reporting. Since my brother's sick, my 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 uh, sister is going through a situation. So, Father, I need for you to send your angels. I need provision for them. See, so sometimes we're reporting. Amen. And sometimes we're using our authority to help someone else in prayer. But we have that grace. Yes, so you say to your neighbor, I have that grace. Have that grace. And so do you. So Amen. In Romans 5.11, it says not only that, Romans 5.11, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, once again, in him, we have now received reconciliation. See, so we're reconciled. The word reconcile is a beautiful word. The word reconcile means that we're no longer separate. We're no longer divided. At one point, I didn't know God. I, I felt that separation. 
So wow, it would be good to know God. But I don't have to say that anymore. I'm reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. Amen. So when I come to him in the grace that I stand, that he's given me, it's because he already reconciled me. Yes. See, that, that's, that's even a, a, a mathematical term. When you reconcile the numbers, everything comes into agreement. Everything comes to peace. Everything adds up. Amen. So when we reconcile before God, we are family. And everything's all right. We're at peace. There's no division. Yeah. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, there's no division here. There's peace. Hallelujah. So we also have that grace. In Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. Again, in Christ. Through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. Not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Amen. Because he already conquered for us. So we enjoy because of his victory. So it's not something we have to fight. He already fought it for us. So we're more than conquerors through him. But it doesn't stop there. It says through him who loves us. It doesn't say through him who loved us. It says through him who loves us. So that means he still loves you today. Amen. He continuously loves us. Hallelujah. And because of that, we're more than conquerors. And it says, in all these things, persecutions, trials, problems, challenges, good times, bad times, all the things the enemy could throw at us, we're still more than conquerors. Yes. Today's first song, as we were worshiping, was so powerful. I felt like running across the church. Yes. But I don't want to do that because I didn't want you guys to think I'm a little off. But man, let me tell you, that was powerful. Powerful. Reconciled. There's peace, right? I remember that. There was a brother. Thank you. There was a brother I knew. I used to go to certain conferences and I knew this brother every time. I mean, on cue, when the worship would start, he'd start running around the church. And people would go, huh? He, he, this was just, I guess, part of his anointing. We used to call him the running brother. There's the running brother. <laughs> but that's the way he raised God. After a while, we say, oh, praise God. Praise <laughs> God. But yeah, he loves us. So say to you know, but God loves you. God loves you. But you, you see, you need to feel that. You need to know that. I remember a couple of years ago, I was struggling with something. And it was a really big challenge for me. And I went to a conference in Georgia. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm struggling, and this prophet comes up to me. And I knew this prophet. He's a very well-known prophet. He's an, actually a, a national prophet. He was the one that prophesied to Rabbi Khan. Is it Khan? Yeah. Jonathan Khan. Yeah. He prophesied that book for him. He said, God said, you need to write that book. God, that, that book is going to go all over the world. So you need to, you know. And him as a, a Jewish rabbi, he says, come here, Sarah, come here, come here, because we're all going to the same flight. You need to sit next to me, and you need to explain to me what you're talking about. Jesus. <laughs> you know, and and he, he broke it down. He says, this is what the Lord is saying to you. Well, that same prophet came up to me. He yeah. said, sit down. Uh -huh. I said, okay, put your hand in your heart. Ooh, and then he told me this. He says, God wants to tell you this right now, and he's screaming it to me in my ear right now. He loves you very much. Jesus. And then he said this. Among other things, I'm not going to share because it was very private to me. And I needed to hear him that moment. But he said this to me. He says, Victor, he says, the Lord says 
that you're looking at yourself the wrong way. He says, you're looking like if you failed here, like you didn't do well. God doesn't see that. He says, he says he put you through tests, and you pass these tests. He's good with you. He loves you, and, he, and he's saying it to me very loudly. And of course, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I, I was so moved by, by the mercy of God, the grace of God. I was so moved by that. And, and, and I, I think I, he told me, you know, he told me before he prophesied, he told me, he said, turn on your phone, you know, and make sure you, you make a recording of this. Yes. And so I did. And he gave me time to, I love that. Yes. Appreciate that. Amen. Yes. Amen. And, and so that was very personal to me. Yes. So when I hear these verses, I remember when daddy told me that. Yes. Yes. And today yes. daddy's telling us he loves us. Thank you. So you need to personalize that yes. this moment. Because if you're going through a struggle, am I right? Is God okay with me? Yes, he's okay with you! I'm sorry, I had to scream that. But sometimes that's the only way we, we hear things. Give me a hoo-ha. That's emphasis. We need to hear that. Sometimes we just don't get it. Ephesians 1.13, it says, in him, again, once again, in Christ, when you're in Christ, you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Wow. Are you aware that when you came to Jesus, when you trusted in him, he actually sealed you? Yes. In the spirit realm, you have a seal. You have yes. a mark. Yes, yes. In the spirit realm, you are recognized. Yes. In the spirit realm, when the spirits see you, they say, oh, he has God's mark on him. I can't touch him. I can only try to deceive him, but can't touch him. Hallelujah. I'm very uh, pictorial in my brain, so sometimes when I when I say something, it shows me a funny picture or a serious picture. In this case, I, I see... Um, What's the name of that guy? He said, can't touch this. <laughs> <laughs> MC Hammer. MC Hammer. There you go. I see the hammer. I see the hammer next to me with the big pants. And can't touch it. <laughs> he can't touch it. Yep. Who got the same thing? Yeah. So you're just as quirky as I am. That's all right. Praise God. That's how I remember things in pictures many times. Praise God. Can't touch me. Because of his grace, I'm sealed. When, when they come to me, I'm marked God's property. I'm marked king and priest. I'm marked. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm part of this holy nation by his grace. I don't boast in it that I think I'm great. I boast on my God who gave me this grace. Hallelujah. In Ephesians 3.12, it says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. See, so when you get this right, when you understand who you are, when you understand that God loves you, when you understand that all things are new, you can have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And here's the, the big uh, clincher on this. Uh, there's a, a, a troublesome verse in the Old Testament. I don't have the verse right now. I'll, I'll get it to you next week. Uh, or if you text me, I'll give you the text later on. But there's one where God actually says, Command ye, command ye the work of my hands. 
where God is telling you, you have the right to command the work of my hands. If you find it, let me know. And it's, it's troublesome because immediately we think, well, who are we to command the work of your hands? We're nothing. You're God, we're not. True. But God created us. And when he created us, he gave us authority in the earth realm. He said, you are my ambassadors here in this earth realm. Amen, amen. And then Psalms 115 says that he gave us control over the work of his hands. Yes, yes. We, we now control that. He did that, not us. He gave us that ability. He gave us that grace. So when you're going through situations and circumstances, you have the right to command the, the anointing of God, the grace of yes. God. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. Concerning the work of my hands. Now, in that verse or series of verses, it does talk about this. You know, I'm God, you're not. I'm the one that created it, right? But he was the very one that actually told us to pray over the sick. Yes. He's the one that told us, cleanse yes. the leper, yes. raise Amen. the dead. He's the one that says, I'm giving you control over this. Yes. He's the one that told us, preach the gospel, yes. disciple the nations. He's the one that is, as God sent me, I now send you. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. See, so he's authorizing us not to do everything, not to go around, you know, acting like Superman and doing whatever you please because you're Superman. For those of you that watched uh, Stargate 20 years ago, remember that fake race? They used to call themselves Guaus. Come on, people, I'm not that old. <laughs> look, look at the reruns, you'll see. Yeah, but they, they, they had powers and they made, a, they made themselves seem like gods. And we know, of course, that's uh, Hollywood, you know, but they think that way many times. Remember Shirley MacLaine? I am God. Remember that? Some, they, some of them get fooled because they make a lot of money and and, and they get a lot of yes people around them. So actually, after a while, they get self-deceived. We're not God at all. But we have the right to pray. We have the right to declare the grace of God over situations. If it's scriptural, if God authorizes you, we have the right to command these works of his hands. You know, this earth realm is his. So when we pray, we can pray with boldness. Because he authorized us. If things are awry at your home, you have the right to, to say, in the name of Jesus, I cancel any assignment that has come against this home. You have the right, because he authorized you. Praise God. If things are you know, going awry financially in your body, you have the right to speak to your body. Body align yourself with the word of God. By his stripes, you are healed. You know, you have the right until God calls you home. Yeah, we're going to have this fight until God calls us home. This is a temporary body. We'll be furnished with a new body. Praise God. But meanwhile, I, mean, I need to see some confidence in you. I need to see some boldness coming out of you. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God in you is bold. The Spirit of God in you is mighty. The Spirit of God within you wants to see people saved and is passionate about that. Hallelujah. So, you know, the world is getting bold for things that we look at as it's no big deal. But yet we who have the greatest message, 
the most important message, the most vibrant message, the message that restores people into their family with God. Yes, yes. We're going around walking like, oh, I'm, I'm just a wine. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm a nobody. Listen, you're a child of God. Amen. Stand up strong, stand up boldly and speak the grace of God, the love of God, the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. And, and don't, don't, don't come after people, come after the spirits. That come on, come on. Hallelujah. You will see how God will use you mightily in your lifetime. Hallelujah. In Philippians 4.13, once again, in him I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul said that because Paul went through times when he had more than enough. There were times when he was um, hungry. There were times when he was in prison. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So are you in a point right now where you feel you're lacking strength? You have the right to demand strength. Because he already sends us the strength. We need to allow that strength to come forth. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for strength, for new strength. If you lack it, ask for it. He'll give it to you. In the natural, when you exercise, what's the next thing you need to do after you finish exercising? Rest. rest. You need to rest. See, so if you've been going through a strong fight against the enemy, what do you need to do? Rest in him. Rest in his finished work. Stop fighting like if you're all alone, that God's not with you. Jesus slept in the midst of a storm. I got bills to pay. Go to sleep. I got an issue at the work. Go to sleep. Relax. Let God take care of you. God will dispatch angels and touch people's hearts. The Bible says that God has the heart of the king in his hands. And he moves it whichever way he wants to. So if it's an impossible situation, no problem. Because that's where God's just getting started. Hallelujah. And then the last verse uh, really blesses my heart. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But doesn't stop there. Yes, we know God can do exceeding abundantly. Of course he can. He's God. But it says above all that we ask or think. Point number one. We have to first ask it or think it. Amen. We don't dare ask or think Anything before God, you're not giving them any material with which to work with. Our prayers gives God material to do exceeding abundantly. Because he won't give you what you want. He'll always go above and beyond. Because that's how our God is. He's an above and beyond God. Good measure. Press down, shaking together and running over. Hallelujah. It doesn't stop there. He says, according to what we ask and think. According to the power of that works in us. So there's already a power in you that will be activated when you begin to trust God. It'll be activated when you ask. When you're in the presence of God, you're thinking about something. Lord, I would just really love to see this. I would really love my family saved. I would really love to get that promotion. I would really love to be able to do this.
this. Amen. I would really love to pass that test. Whatever it may be that yeah. God's given. I would really love to go to the speed in that corner and bring 15 people to save their faith in Christ. Yeah, I really would love to preach. I would really love to teach. I would really love to write that book. I'd really love to sing that song. I'd really love to encourage that brother and sister. I'd really love to be able to speak to my children. I'd really love to do that Sunday school, Lord. Whatever it is that God has given you. There's a power within you that gets activated. I remember years ago, there was this uh, prophet that they had seen a vision, and they saw a room with angels, and the angels were like this. I said, Lord, well, what's going on? I'm seeing these angels and their hands are crossed. He said, because they're on standby. They're waiting Amen. for my word to come out of your Amen. mouth. Amen. They're waiting yes. for the prayers. They're waiting for the, the, the brethren, for my people to activate them. Hallelujah. Are your angels on standby? It's time to activate the angels. Hallelujah. According to the power that works with him. To him be the glory. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. So in Christ, in Christ we have the right. He, if we follow him, he will make us. That word make means create something brand new. Amen. Of course your neighbors are not going to know what God is forming in you. Because they haven't seen it. Only God has seen it. Of course uh, your friends are not going to give you the right advice. Because they don't know what God is doing in your life. It's new. How are you supposed to know it if it's new? Amen. Hallelujah. When you first start a job, you know, you don't know anything. You have to go from department over here, you have to go here, see a video there, hang out with the people, start to learn. It's very hard. But a year later, you're like, one, two, three. Yeah, no, go bring it over there. It's Amen. Second nature. But when it's brand new, you're nervous. When it's brand new, nobody knows. You, you and a friend came to the brand new job. You know what you're doing? No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but that's all right, because God will show you step by step, line upon line, here a little, there yes, a little. Yes, God will start yes. showing you. Stop being in a rush. Just be where you're at. Yes. Be, you know, one, one thing that Paul knew to do, he always was content to where yes. he was at. Amen. He was always striving, reaching for more, but he was always content where yes. he was at. Amen. Where are you at? Be content right there. Amen. Be Amen. content. Amen. Understand God has you there and understand that you're on a journey. Yes. yes. You're not just standing still. You're not static. You're not a pond. You're, you're a fresh flowing stream. Actually, I think last week I said, it says that if you believe, rivers of living water will flow from your bosom. Yes. And the word ri rivers does not mean one little river. It means groups of rivers, clusters of rivers yes. coming together, converging, yes. and creating a powerful stream yes. that will knock anything out of its way. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 I'm moving. I'm a stream. I'm a free-flowing stream. Nothing can stop me. Watch out. I'm on my way. You get in my way. I'm going to you over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You, tell your neighbor, get out of my way. Get out of my way. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And you need to start thinking differently. And this is a season where God has us thinking differently. We're, we're, we're starting to break out of these limits. And breaking out of, of these thoughts that we learned that were wrong in, in yesteryear, so to speak. Right? 
God is doing a new thing. Say to your neighbor, he's doing a new thing. In your life and in my life. Hallelujah. all begins with your relationship with Almighty God in Christ. And receiving Christ is not a religious exercise. It is part of your adoption page. I mean, if you were an adoptee, didn't hear we have an adoptee? Somebody that was adopted into a loving family? You know what I'm talking about. You know how precious it is. When you're in a foster home, you don't feel any belonging. You, you, your parents let you go or they passed away. You feel alone. You feel like you don't belong anywhere. And suddenly a family comes to you Hallelujah. and says, we want you to be our son. Ooh, we Jesus. want you to be our daughter. Yeah, yeah. There's so many far-reaching implications on that. Wow. It's not like come to my house, my house and I'll give you a room and I'll feed you. No, I want you to become part of my family. Yes. I'm about ready to change all I have and give it to you. I'm about ready to sit down and authorize the government to give you my name. An adoptee, somebody that is legally adopted, has the same right as a, a natural born son or daughter. Yes, yes. Even though they look different, even though sometimes, well, you're not, you're, you're not really a son or daughter. Yeah, well, the paper says so. Paper says so. Therefore, I have the same right. And in the day when the parents go to heaven, you will know you have the same authority. Yes. You'll be treated the exact same way. And so what God is saying to us is, says, in Christ, what I'm actually doing is I'm offering you come back to me. I'm, I want you to be my son and daughter. I will make you part of my family. Follow me. I will make you. And, and so what the Lord is saying, he says, come to me and you will be my son and daughter and I will give to you the benefits of my family. Amen. Remember when he told that lady, she says, can you heal my daughter? He says, or, yeah, there was a daughter. And he says, you're not part of the That's family. Right. That's right. This, this, this is the children's bread. And I, you know, Jesus does everything for a teaching. It just seems so insensitive. Of him. But he knew that he was going to use this as a teaching. And so he says, this is for the children. So she goes, I understand that. She understood it, that she wasn't part, that she was Syrophilician. You ask me what that is? I have no idea. <laughs> some Greek or something like that. But it was, it was not yes. part of the Jewish family, right? They came to the Jew first. So she says, I know. But even the children who are on the table, they eat and crumbs fall from their plate. And the dogs are able to eat the very same food that the children are eating. Because, by the way, he says, I can't give the children's food and give it to the dogs. Mm. <laughs> Doesn't that sound insensitive? Yeah. <laughs> and so, bottom line, she says, yeah, but the dogs eat too. So, so she wasn't saying, you know, I, I, I know I have the same right as a child. She knew that she wasn't part of that family. But she was just asking for that mercy. And when she threw that at him, Jesus said, and it also knew it. He says, daughter, your faith. But God's not saying to us, come to me and I'll make you a little dog so you can eat crumbs. Mm -hmm. No, he's saying, I want you to sit at my table. And I want you as a child to enjoy the full benefits 
yes. of being yes. family. Yes. Hallelujah. Say it neighbor, your family. Your family. the church right now. Um, what God has been showing me as of late, uh, pastor is practically confirming every single thing that God's given me according to the church and its role. Um, and what he's causing is a stirring. What pastor is speaking is to your heart right now because there are many in this house who have yet to find a niche where to serve. And God has anointed every single person in this building, okay? Anyone who serves God has been anointed already for a specific task. You just need to, um, I can tell you to pray about it, I can tell you to seek um, pastor about it, but in all honesty, any place that you serve or start to serve is somewhere to start. And the thing is that God is ready to pour out upon the church. And I'll read um, Isaiah, I think it's 44, where um, he says, uh, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming shall and shall come, let them show these to them. Do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you that that time, have I told you from that time and declare it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. So if we say we serve the Lord, okay, actions are not, we are, you already know that the actions are not what's going to get you to heaven. But what, what is going to bring in the souls is those who are ready to serve them, those who are ready to open their hearts to them. How can you do that if you're not putting your hands to the plow? So you have to search deep within your heart because God, I'm telling you that God is ready to pour, uh, open the doors, I mean, fully wide for people to come and hear the word of the Lord and be saved. Some are not gonna stay but some will because God has called this church to put their hands to the plow, not just be called the church. If you're serving, and I, I usually say this for myself, is when I'm serving, I say, Lord, this is as unto you. My service, Lord, is unto you. Yes, the church benefits, the leadership in this house benefits, but if you're serving, it's as unto the Lord. So how much do you treasure that which God has given you? Open your heart now and really take a good look. If you know that there were times that you could have put your hands to the plow and didn't, just repent and move on. Do what you need to do. You already, a lot of you already know what it is that you know to do and to serve in the house in some way, shape, or form. How are we gonna serve those who are gonna come through the doors if we're not in our place? If we're not standing in the place that God has called you to be? So listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. 
What does the word of God say about that? Those who have ears, hear what the spirit is saying. So examine your heart. You can, pastor's not the only one you could go to. There are directors and leaders of ministries that you can go to. But this, it's time to put your hands to the plow. If you've been sitting in the pews or jumping church to church, let me tell you, this is not the church for you. Because it's time for all of us. Calvary is time. We need to get up, dust ourselves off, even through your issues. Say, Lord, I feel this way, but I'm still going to serve you. Is that tenacious zeal that you lack? In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I pray that this bless you like it blessed me. And I, I take it to my heart. And I say, Father, thank you for helping me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for making me part of the family. 